Hello, this is Chuck Solomon, and welcome to the Candidate Experience Podcast, where we focus on the job candidate journey from apply to onboard and the space in between. Let's get started. care about the candidate experience, but have you ever wondered exactly how to bring your company to that next level and offer a world-class experience to your candidates? It's not easy. Fortunately, Candidate.FYI can help. Their solution guides candidates through your hiring journey, enhancing transparency and communication at every touchpoint. You'll also gain valuable insights on what's working and what's not with your hiring process. Best of all, it integrates directly with your ATS. Head on over to candidate.fyi and see how to transform your company's candidate experience today. Welcome to the Shine Like a Diamond episode where Omer Malad is my special guest. Listen in as he shares his insights on candidate experience, employer brand, culture carriers, the whole application process, and much, much more. If you like what you're hearing on this podcast, do subscribe wherever you enjoy podcasts and please share with others. Want to comment, discuss, provide feedback, you can send me a note via LinkedIn or via the contact form on our website, thecx.xyz. I thank you for listening and here's my interview. Hey, Omer, how are you today? Hey, Chuck, I'm great. How's it going? It's going very well. Thanks for being a guest on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. Um, Appreciate it. Um, So before we get into talking about candidate experience, can you give like a, you know, quick overview of sort of how, how did you get into the hiring industry? Sure. So uh, this uh, startup that I'm a co-founder of, Vervo, is um, really my first kind of official foray into the hiring industry. Sure. Uh, prior to that, um, I um, my only experience in hiring was being hired or trying to get hired and <laughs> and and hiring people as a as a hiring manager, which which I did a lot of in a past life, but. I, I was not a recruitment practitioner in any in any form uh, before starting this company. Sure. What you know, you talk to a lot of companies out there, and I think you see a lot of sort of can, good candidate experience, bad candidate experience. Like, what are you seeing? Like, where companies are getting candidate experience, uh, where they're doing it well. Unfortunately, it's the minority. Uh, of companies that that do it well, in my opinion, and sure, uh, and if I had to uh, really sort of boil it down to something really simple, a good candidate experience is an experience that sets a candidate up for success and um, and gives them an opportunity to to put their best foot forward. Um, and, and a bad candidate experience is one that creates obstacles for the candidate and makes it difficult for them to put their best foot forward. And, and all the rest is really just detail, 
right? That That's kind of the number one thing. When people are trying to get a job, they want it to be as easy as possible for them to, um, you know, I, I hate to use the cliche, but to shine, to, to, to basically um, present themselves in, in the best light. Um, and and when, when that is difficult because they get eliminated or they, or they have to fill in lots of forms or they have to go through lots of tedious steps that, that don't add a lot of value, that's when, uh, when people get frustrated. And so the companies that do this the best uh, typically get out of their own way help candidates self-select and discover really quickly, is this for me or not? Do I, if not, thank you very much. If, if yes, you know, why do I want this? And then give them an opportunity really quickly to, to put their best foot forward and showcase their talent and, and their skills. Yeah, I like what you um, mentioned about shine. Um, I also think the not only are the job seekers trying to make themselves shine, but for sure, the companies themselves are trying to put their best foot forward and shine as well on the uh, to, to sort of highlight their employer brand and um, and really, you know, make sure that people understand what it's like to work at that company. Like, can you think of any examples um, off the cuff of like companies? You don't have to name names, but like companies that have really done a great job in like just putting their foot best foot forward yeah i I think companies that um and we work with a few of them that that give sort of candidates a realistic job preview a day in the life and it doesn't have to be physical it doesn't have to be physically coming into the office and it doesn't have to be something long but to give people a glimpse of what it's really like so to work there so not um, you know, we're not talking about the ping pong tables. We're not talking about the stuff that's on the website. Um, we're not talking about the fluff, but but actually connecting with the the rhythm of the company, the tasks that are relevant to the job, and and you know that is the best, in my opinion, the best form of marketing to candidates. And you know, if that's not for you as a candidate, well, well, that's great. It's not a great fit. You don't want candidates who are wanting to join for the wrong uh, reasons. And so, you know, if you be yourself, the people who are looking for you will find you. And and I think that's true for individuals and for companies. And, I, I, you know, I, I, there are companies that, that do that rather than sort of going crazy on, um, you know, ad spend or, or traditional sure. recruitment marketing. They're just kind of opening the doors and saying, hey, this is what we're about. You know, and it can be in the form of videos of some of the employees um, who work there. It's it's sharing stories about the company and what they're doing. And it's not just when you need to hire, when you need to fill a job. It's it's all year sharing stories about what you're doing, what you get up to as a company. Um, is your work meaningful? What do the employees think? Um, and and then it becomes less transactional. And there are companies that do that, and, and it tends to be that the, the companies that do that well uh, tend to be the companies that actually are good companies rather than companies with a really slick recruitment function mm-hmm. um, that's not necessarily, you, you know, that might be sort of um, uh, disguising other things. 
And and I, and I think when when the story itself is fundamentally good, it's too good to not get out. Um, and, and I don't know if this is the answer recruitment, marketing, or candidate experience professionals want to hear because you know that we all want to think we can make an impact on the recruitment process. Sure. But the reality is that if the company's good, you know, if the product's good, it's easier to market it. Um, and so, if you <laughs> want to be appealing to candidates, be a good company. Yeah, that's a, a, a great uh, place to start. I think um, being transparent with that is great. Um, and you can't sort of shine up something that's not uh, shinable, if you will. So, um, the you know, someone starting a new job and if they haven't been – if they've been fed sort of a line that, oh, this is a great place to work when, in fact, it's a place that needs to improve – uh, once they start, they're going to be short-lived because people have choices these days. And if um, the the marketing for a great job doesn't end up being an actual great job at a great company, as you point out, um, people are just going to leave. It's going to be pretty evident pretty quickly. So right, sure. and 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 just to give a, a sort of a really tangible example, and this can get. It can get a little trickier. So at really big companies, you want to do the, this at the team level. And at smaller companies, you can do it at the company level. But, right. you know, there's, there's, a, there's a term culture carrier, which when I first heard it, it really resonated with me. And it, it refers to a person in your company or in your team who um, reflects the best of, of what you're about as a company. Um, you know, this is the person who really – role models, the values and the behaviors. And, and this is the kind of person in your company who, you know, you would happily parade, you know, where if people external to the company met that person, they would be um, impressed um, and they would un- get a really good understanding of, um, you know, the, the best things about the company. And every company has people like that. And so one good thing to do is to identify these people and first of all, make them a role model and call them out to everyone inside the company. But second, you sure. in, in recruitment and say, look, you know, th- this is um, a great person for you to meet in the recruitment process. They can answer all your questions. They'll give you a real sense of, you know, it, it might be 75% what we are today and 25% where we're headed and what we're aspiring to be. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with saying, listen, we're not exactly where we want to be. This is where we're aspiring to get as a company and being honest about that. And I think using people who, who are living and breathing that inside your company can be a very, it's a simple but effective way to uh, engage with, with candidates who are thinking about, you know, do I want to spend a meaningful part of my day and my life working in this company? Right. I think uh, I've heard other companies refer to what you referred to as the culture carrier as like an employee ambassador. Is that synonymous? I I, I think that's right. And I think the employee ambassador is kind of a more formal um, uh, way to describe it and potentially role or title. But but really, it, it could be anyone who informally other people that you would you know you'd pick that time and time again you would point to them and say you know this is a role model in our company yeah and it would seem that that wouldn't really require too much of an effort or actually zero cost to actually implement either wouldn't you say Uh, zero cost 
Um, and, and I think, and we can, I'm sure we're going to get to the question of interviewing and how many interviews is the right <laughs> number, which you see on social media. But, you know, this is something that's not an interview. This is not an examination. This is, it's important for people joining to um, go beyond the recruitment team and get to know the people they're going to actually work with. And so this is kind of the due diligence for the candidate. And I would have thought a discerning candidate would want to invest another 30 minutes to meet someone. Yeah, um, for sure. Um, uh, Pre-COVID, when I was looking at uh, a company that I just learned about that I was inquiring about myself personally, I actually went to their offices and checked them out, sort of like... um, you might have heard of mystery shopper. Like these are people that go into retail establishments to go ahead and see what the shopping experience was. I actually went into one of their locations and just started talking with one of the staff members there. And they really actually sold me on the job. And I, I wasn't like a mystery to them. I told, introduced myself and told them I was inquiring about coming to work here and asked them, what do you like about working, you know, here? And, and he went on and he said he, you know, really enjoyed it and said it was a great hiring experience. He had not been there that long and you don't hear that every day. So like that intrigued me and I'm like, I think I want to work for this company now even more so. So not everyone gets a chance to do that. But I, I think as you point out, if you can get your culture carriers out there and engaged and I guess activated is the correct word there, then they're going to be out there speaking on behalf of your, your employer brand. And I think everyone now, you know, if you're looking, you know, looking to get into a company, you're looking at sort of the traditional Glassdoor and dude reviews comparably intersite those sort of sites. But if you know someone that works there, um, it sort of behooves you to go ahead and ask questions unofficially of course so um to see what it's like to work there i think um companies learn that there are there are people like checking them out and they um should be putting their best foot forward there and and definitely um i think the the culture carriers i think the more you have probably the better i agree um excellent um, I just heard, um, I'm not sure if you've heard this, uh, there's a, apparently, you know, there's a shortage for talent all over. That's nothing new. I just heard new today that there are actually employees that are, they're inquiring whether you're a Google suite shop or a Office 365 Microsoft shop and they, and they have an affinity to one or the other. Have you heard about this yet? I haven't, but I think the stories are going to get crazier and crazier. Um, and I and I've seen all sorts of reasons that candidates are jumping ship or turning down offers. And I've seen companies sort of really going into the the sort of realm of the bizarre in terms of what <laughs> what they're throwing at candidates. And what I, and and I'm happy to be in the minority view on this, but I, you know I think. What I would encourage people is not to overreact to the market in either direction. And so what you see sure. is companies in, 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 in a crazy, frothy market like this sort of go nuts with, with perks um, and, and almost to the point where we'll, they'll – and I, I know for a fact we've spoken to companies that have said to us we're going to hire anyone with a pulse – 
um, wow. and, and, and zero due diligence. They've, they've dropped all the standards of um, candidate evaluation. And then in the opposite market where, where, where employers have the power, you know, often the same companies treat candidates like, frankly, like crap. Um, yep. and, 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 and I think both of those things are, are bad um, because, because you, you'll end up regretting regretting them and you, you'll end up overhiring and overpaying and then later in the downturn you end up having to fire people and cut costs because the CFO will say now take 30% off the cost base. That's what always mm-hmm. happens. And, and, and I think, yes, you need to be conscious of the market, um, but I think treat candidates. There, there is no market in which it makes sense to have a, a terribly long and 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 um, and and onerous, obstacle-riddled uh, candidate experience. No market. So therefore, it doesn't make sense to say, "Well, now it's a candidate's market, so let's have fewer interviews." Well, you shouldn't have had that many interviews to begin with. Sure. You shouldn't have had a form with 150 fields to begin with, right? There was no reason to do that. Just like now, you shouldn't be offering these, you know, crazy things that, and and so I think, you know, um, companies there there are some, you know, maybe eighty percent of the things that that are true should be true in every market. You know, reduce friction, give candidates an opportunity to showcase their talent, offer strong benefits, be transparent, be quick. All these things are true, and, and then there's twenty percent that. that that, that you adjust, but the swings that we're seeing in like how bad it is to be a candidate nine months ago versus now the the sort of being showered with with gifts, which clearly it's not sustainable because I've I've lived long enough to know <laughs> to see both you know every market, right. um, you know, and, and so what I would encourage people to do is to just think about. How are you going to present yourself? What's the hiring process that you want to have in 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 summer and in winter, in da- in the day and, and in the night, in all market conditions? And then what are the things that you can adjust? And if you're adjusting eighty percent of your process, well, that that feels to me like maybe the process wasn't good to begin with, and it's probably not sustainable in into the future. Right? Yeah, I I'm. I'm not sure if I shared this with you when we spoke earlier or not, but I can recall being on the applicant side of the desk trying to get a job with a company that seemed interested. I was well qualified the position, but then they asked for a an English assessment, um, and I start. I didn't know it was an English assessment until I started the assessment, and it was going to take more than an hour to do this. And I think you can spend ten seconds talking with me and and can tell that I have a fair command of the English language. But um, the recruiter contacted me after like the next day because they had already gotten my um, resume at the beginning of the apply process. And I was a drop off and they said, Hey, we saw your, you started the apply process and you dropped off, but we looked at your resume and you look great. Can you keep going with the assessments? And I said, respectfully, no, <laughs> Um, and here's the reason why, like, I can tell you, you're a global company and English is an important thing, but I, I'm not willing to give up an hour plus of my day to, to prove that to you, like spend one, a minute on the phone with me and I can prove it to you. So, um, 
Anyways, I think I, I'm wondering what that company is doing at, at that um, yeah. at this point in time for, yeah, for and, and, and <laughs> they've changed it. You know, to that point, you know, you want your evaluation process to be um, relevant and specific to the role. And if you're hiring people in predominantly English-speaking markets, you probably want to keep your powder dry for things that are more substantive and more relevant to the job than can they speak English. Right. Um, you know that that you know there there are certainly roles where um, where that's you know a, a relevant requirement. Um, and if you're hiring people in a predominantly non-English speaking country to provide support in English, um, then then or, you know or support in multiple languages, then you might want to test that. Um, and even then, there's a there's a sort of a, a sort of you know quicker way way to do that it sounds like they got a few things say overcooked um right. things, and, and, and we see that happening a lot um you know sort of blunt using blunt instruments uh <laughs> that, that are not tailored to the role or or the situation and and as a candidate you just feel like well this isn't for me you're wasting my time with something um that can be verified much more easily um and so you know i, I think that's something that um, again, is appropriate to any market. There's no market condition in which you would, uh, you know, you speak English, right? That's not that's not something that's highly questionable. Um, and so these are the kind of things that companies can spend a little bit more time thinking about and getting right because you want to maximise, you know, candidate time is a scarce resource. Um, sure. And so you want candidates to spend time on the things that are most highly connected to the job. And you also... There's a direct correlation between the amount of effort a candidate will make and how badly they want the role. And so if you, if you, if you make them want the role, they're going to invest more time. If you treat them like a commodity or if it's too transactional or if they're not buying in, if, 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 if they feel like they're a number, you know, if they're at a sub, if they feel like they're at a subway and it's like number, order number 19, you know, right. then, then they're not, they're not, they're not going to feel valued and it's not, they're not going to be highly motivated to, to reciprocate and, and give you their time. Right. I think that's what really it boils down to is being respective of um, each other's time. And I think historically a lot of the companies just haven't had a lot of respect for applicants time and, um, and they really should. So what, do you have uh, sort of, you know, to strike a happy balance if there is a, you know, this is neither a, a strong candidate market or a strong employer market, like irregardless of that, like, is there like a happy balance between like how much time a company should make a prospective applicant or applicant apply and go through assessment in order to be sort of considered part of the slate of candidates is there like a special number there there, there is but but it's it's not uniform it depends on on the role um, sure that's the first so it's typically company role market so they're the three things but it, it depends on the role so let's take a couple of examples right um you know so so let's say that you're you're walmart and um you know one of our customers so i can i can speak about it with a degree of um you know authority because we we know how they hire and 
you know, if, if you're Walmart and you're hiring um, cashiers, you know, you know, frontline workers, retail to work um, inside the stores, you know, the, the, the volume of people that you're hiring is, uh, is incredibly high. So is the volume of applicants. Um, the, the skills required for the role are, um, you, you know, uh, fairly simple, okay? And so the, you don't need to put people through a huge amount of rigorous testing to establish that they can do the job. Okay, you, you can you can do something quite simple. Mm-hmm. Um, on top of that, um, the amount that as a, an employee that you're getting paid would suggest that you're probably unlikely to spend hours and hours and hours because that, the persona of that candidate is such that they're applying for multiple roles. A lot of them are hourly, and 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 so they're not going to invest ten hours in one job application. Okay, and that's sure. what I mean by, by market. I, I mean supply and demand. I don't mean today or yesterday. I mean more the, the sort of supply and demand dynamics for that role. And so, and so when you put all that together, you think, okay, you know, these are people who are probably going to apply on a mobile phone. They're going to apply for multiple jobs. Their pay is, is not very high. And so the amount of value they'll attribute to the to the sort of process is going to be relatively low. And so you want to keep it quick and frictionless, seven to ten minutes on a mobile phone. Okay. Gotcha. Now then you take then, then you take um, you know you take a tech company or a media company or sort of a company that's traditionally considered that 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 hires uh, knowledge workers. So take you know Omnicom Media, take you know any of these sort of companies. Um, you know, tech companies, Redbubble, whoever, and and they're hiring engineers and sales reps. Um, they're hiring, you know, um, people who are typically highly skilled, highly educated, and highly paid. Okay. Right. Now, now in those sort of roles, um, the candidate is not applying for fifteen roles. In fact, they're often not applying for any roles. They're being tapped on the shoulder. They're being headhunted. Right. They're highly paid. Um, they're highly valued. There's not a lot of volume, um, and the level of skill is 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 high. And so the rigor, you know, the, to make a decision to to work out if someone's going to be a great product designer, there's a lot of things that you've got to determine. Um, and so that lends itself to a more rigorous process um, where where maybe a candidate's spending you know sixty minutes um, doing or, or more even doing something that's that's more intense, a more intense exercise. Um, gotcha. or I don't know if intense is the right word, more rigorous. Um, now, the extent to which they'll be willing to do that is, again, directly uh, correlated with how much they want the job. And so now you get into nuance of top of funnel, bottom of funnel, do I speak to them first? Do they do an assessment at the point of application? There's a bunch of things to kind of discuss or consider um, that that are role and company specific, um, but th- that would be more appropriate. Roles like that, it would be more appropriate, and candidates would have an expectation that the process would be more discerning. And in fact, I'll go as far as saying, if your process is not discerning, a candidate should be spooked because, well, how do you know that they're any good? What does that say about your standards as a company that you'll hire any engineer that that you right. know that it has a heartbeat that you just believe their resume. Well, what if they're what if they're terrible? 
What if what if they can code but their behavior's terrible? Right. Um, and and I think there's this myth that like, oh well, you know, someone won't spend sixty minutes on a on an assessment, but they'll happily commute to three interviews. Well, what's the difference? One of the, the three interviews take much longer. Sure. But, but but the difference is that it's engaging and you feel like you're being respected because you're talking to someone. Okay, well, that's a great point. And so maybe the assessment needs to be presented in a different way and assessments, maybe that, that word sucks. Maybe it needs to be called something else and positioned as an opportunity to show your skills. And so, so now we're getting into like how is this – it's not just a question of time because I think that there's no – more time-consuming process than the traditional hiring process. That's the absolute worst. Right. Uh, you, know, you know, that that is by far the most time-consuming. Um, and yet people ask for it and, and then and then complain that they're spending too much time online, um, which suggests to me that things aren't being positioned in the right way with candidates. And so it really, what you want to do is you want to think about the, the two questions to ask are, what, what do I need to determine in order to make a really strong hiring decision with confidence as a company? And what does the candidate expect that is appropriate for the role they've applied for? And when you put those two things together, you come up with a sensible, intelligent process. Yeah, I think you, you hit it right. Um, you know, you're managing expectations uh, dependent upon what the level of the job is. And that, that makes total sense to me. So and if I can just add one other point, and I think sure. very few companies do this, I think you should say upfront, Hey, this is our process. And this is why, you know, this is what you can expect. We're going to get you to do this. And then we're going to ask you to do that. And then we're going to give you an opportunity to do this. And this is why, this is why we care about these things. They give us insight. They give you insight. Is that okay with you? Does that sound reasonable? And, and, you know, you, they'll tell you. They'll say yes or they'll say, no, this isn't for me. No, thank you. I've got 15 offers in my mailbox, you know, in my inbox right now. That's, and then you, and you get feedback as a company and, and, and you'll get it. It's a sensible way to do it. There's no need to like, you know, I think it's frustrating to candidates when like they go through this step and then they get told, now you've got these five other things. And they do those <laughs> and then they get told, now you've got to wait two weeks and then you've got these five other things. It's like, well, just tell them in the beginning what they should expect the process will be. Yeah, that's a that's an excellent tip. And like your other tip, uh, doesn't require any money. There's no it's budget free. required. <laughs> so that's right. Communication is free, and it's an underrated thing to just be be open and communicate clearly. Yeah. Well, this is great. I really appreciate um, your tips here. Um, Omer, if people wanted to get a hold of you um, after this, um, how can they do so? Uh, so in a number of ways, it's pretty easy to find me on uh, social media, particularly LinkedIn and uh, the company's website, uh, vervo.com, V-R-V-O-E.com. We have a, a ton of information on the website, on the blog, um, and a bunch of ways to communicate with our team directly and we're constantly publishing articles and videos about everything from candidate experience to skills-based hiring evaluation um, specific roles um, and and everything in between and and we're also doing webinars and we're doing a lot of education around skill-based hiring Um, so we're pretty easy to find 
Um, and what I'd encourage people to do is to, um, you know, really get involved and start talking about these issues of, you know, what do we care about as a company? What is skills-based hiring? Um, what is role-specific hiring? And how do we create a process for our company's hiring that is not just self-serving but also um, additive to the candidate and really gives the candidate an opportunity to put their best foot forward. Great. And I will include the, those links that you mentioned in the, the notes for the episode. And um, Amir, I really appreciate your time today. Thanks for having me, Chuck. It's been great to chat to you. And I, um, I'm really glad that, that you're focusing on this issue because it doesn't get talked enough or it gets talked about, but it gets talked about in a, you know, often in a superficial way about how to, you know, how many interviews or what, how many fields in the form, but not what candidates, we, we should be talking about what candidates really care about and, and the experience that they're having. Totally agree. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Candidate Experience Podcast. You can reach out to us via our website, thecx.xyz. That's T-H-E-C-X dot X-Y-Z.